everybody, and welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, um, the the official podcast of MovieOverloadPod.com. <laughs> uh, that is true. On this podcast, we will be going through and have been going through for, so the, I guess this is our 51st uh, film. We're going through the, the 100 greatest films of all time from uh, A Trip to the Moon and Parasite uh, to Parasite and everything in between except for uh, notably Woody Allen, because uh, fuck that guy. Uh, my name is uh, Squidgem, and I'm joined hi. by my friends. Yeah, hi, I'm Aiden. I'm a hunter, I guess. I, and oh, I'm Anna! And Anna <laughs> muted herself. I guess we have to reveal now, we are not all recording in the same room. <laughs> Three of us are what? here having a really chill, cool time. And and one of us is far, far away. In another country. Far, far away, two hours behind. Hey, wait a mm-hmm. second. That was a joke. Wait a minute. That's Wait, that might be that a reference a, to the movie that's good, on here. That was a good joke. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because, you know, while we have been covering pain. a lot of, like, some art house films and some foreign films <laughs> and some popular things. Oh, that's going to sound so great in the audio for you to, to bash yourself in the head with a microphone. I, I love that. We'll I love that energy. Um, we're <laughs> we're starting off on. strong. Sidebar, I want to mention that I tried putting in Star Wars to prepare very early mm-hmm. for my quote research. And the first, um, t- there, I'm getting multiple suggested searches of characters that start with E. Nice. Is this a thing? Characters that start Star with Wars e. characters that start with E or Star Wars things that start with E? Is it because everyone forgets what Ewoks are? I, and they like what is that thing? E- like e- the thing that starts with uh, E that's like the teddy bear. E- e- I, I don't know. E- it doesn't Blum. bring up any interesting results if I do it. But like, Owen McGregor like why is starts that with an E. It's just I thought that's the actor. Yeah. Wait. I, I know. I don't know. It I don't know. E. It, it's and wait. it is Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. Anyway. That Carry is on. very random. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of the big movies that I spoiled what movie it was. Anybody actually listening to the podcast has has actually seen. True. Like there are probably a few on there that people have seen, or or maybe a bunch, but this is the only one that like everybody's Everyone has seen. seen. This one's just yeah. a given, yeah. As of as of now. And it's also the first one that people might consider like a full on blockbuster, although I have some thoughts about it being treated as such, but mm. that's fine. We'll get into that. Um, but but first, I think what I what I want to say builder. about George Lucas's 1977 film Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think we have some some thoughts about maybe the story, or or did oh. you have a bit of? My thought on the story is that. It's it's you, you, I've seen it reskinned. <laughs> You've seen it reskinned a few times. See, that's but that's a, that's, that's oh, the other thought yeah, about the that's story. Probably, that's probably a different topic. No, that actually well, does bring oh, us into it. I guess so. Because I think Anna's point it's, is, it's generic. I guess on purpose. Yeah, I mean, like that's the point of the story. The point of the story is that it's the hero's journey, and it should be, like, it's been like if you look at this story, you can look at any historical lore or uh fairy tale i guess and they all follow this hero's journey and anything after it follows this hero's journey it's just that this moment is so strong that everyone's like it's star wars but there's i mean you wouldn't be hard pressed to find seven stories from each culture that has this exact exact timeline absolutely that's that is actually very intentional yeah George Lucas is a very, very big believer of um, Joseph Campbell's monomyth and intentionally definitely structured this movie to be exactly the monomyth. Um, definitely relying on, I don't know. I think he, I think he thinks that there's like an interesting theme to that for some reason. I don't know. He's obsessed with the monomyth. That's what he wanted to do. Definitely. The thing that makes it stand out is the fact that one the monomyth is kind of a bit of of what we are kind of trained to to be used to in in storytelling and movies so it just kind of is tested and does kind of work even if it's not super exciting and and interesting 
but yeah, then it's a lot of the set dressing, the introduction of things like, like the Jedi, yep. and <laughs> in general the Star Wars universe being appealing. It's to a very people. perhaps notable example in that way of being just a simple story well told. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's all he was really going for. Do you have thoughts, Aiden? <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, I okay, so this movie is annoying to me oh. specifically because it is every Hollywood blockbuster that would come after it. Like this is kind of the template for what successful American films would really become mm-hmm. through the rest of this century uh the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century and it has uh, it, yeah it follows the the joseph cannell's monomyth structure which is just this very basic outline of this is how stories tend to function and like there are a bunch of exceptions of stories that do not follow that mm-hmm. or follow it like really loosely and you're like i don't know if it did like especially a bunch of older myths and legends are a bit rambly and they have a lot of unconventional heroes like a lot of trickster heroes and things like that that don't really have the same arc to them and everything but outside of that it is also kind of popularizes the like hollywood three act structure that is just like the, the sort of culture that you get into when people are like, so this exact thing has to happen on this page of the script uh-huh. for the script to work. Uh, we- you hear so many criticisms of a movie that's like, okay, can you really distinguish where the second and third act start though? Hmm. And it's like, wh- yeah. why does that matter? So it, there are so many discussions where people argue over semantics when the point of the semantics is to make a good story. So if the story didn't work, it's, it's up for discussion, but the story like works for some people and other people are like, yeah, but it doesn't really like follow the structure. You're like, doesn't matter because we have discovered and established these rules air quotes so that we can make good stories. And if we can make good stories without following the rules or with purposely like deviating from the thoughts and stuff there, then then what harm is done? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I Every time I read someone who's just like, yeah, so the, the movie was pretty good or like I didn't like the movie and it's because it just broke these fundamental rules of screenwriting or it broke these rules. And I'm like, well, like, okay, it, it's if that's the reason why you don't like it, that's fine. But also, I might have really liked that movie and I might have thought that movie worked really well. And mm-hmm. so like, does it why ah i think yeah well i i wonder how much of that is exposure right because because as you say this became a template for the way that all blockbusters are and i definitely know people who pretty much only watch the major blockbusters Mm -hmm. and haven't seen much outside of that and so when you see something outside of that there's definitely that like instant like I remember that when I first started to watch things outside of blockbusters, is a little bit of like, oh, is this what's what's it what's it doing? This yeah, isn't but what I does. Gene Dealman refuse the call. That's my question. I was actually going to ask <laughs> if you thought. That... <laughs> I think oh, there's man. definitely. I feel like that's kind of a bad example because there's definitely three acts because it's over the course of three days. Yeah. So well, yeah, but the it doesn't kind of have hard. there. But there are, like, clear transition moments, like mm-hmm. when she burns the potatoes or overboils the potatoes, like, that's a transition moment. When she drops the shoe brush, like, there's there's moments outside of the day structure that are transitions in yeah. her state of mind. Interestingly enough, I, I when I look at the, the movies that we've more universally liked, like Cleo from 5 to 7 and Jean Dielmont, those are movies that I do feel like have a three-act structure. They just are creative with it. And I yeah. think what I can see rubbing the wrong way is the fact that this is almost intentionally not trying to do anything creative with its 
structure. Yeah. That that is like so I don't have any problems with having a three X structure. Like the concepts of rising action and like catharsis or like stuff like that is just how you build tension and like make things interesting. Like that just ways of describing, hey, stuff happens. Things change. If things are not changing in your story, you are not engaged. You know, things need to change. Things need to evolve. Characters need to change and evolve and all this. It's just like when you have a movie that does it, this this is exactly what's happening. And I think when it first came out, and especially like over the decades when it built up, built up its huge fan base that Star Wars has, the Star Wars has the Star big Wars has fan, fan has a fan base. Is it like still a thing? It's 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 such a big. No. It's I mean it's it's almost gone now. It's like so hipster to like Star Wars. It's so true. But it I, it is at this point the world building. It's and actually everything, got more that way. Yeah, in the yeah. last few years, <laughs> when it was r- really fresh and mm. everything, like the world building. Uh, and the world I could see being really engaging. Mm-hmm. But I grew up with this. Like, Star Wars mm-hmm. was a part of my cultural consciousness from the time I was born. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it feels like such a non-world that it just doesn't even register for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems yeah. like the most stock of stock possible sci-fi fantasy worlds that I cannot find it interesting. And I'm growing continuously, like, more... Uh, at, with every like Star Wars thing that exists. Okay, cool. I think that just, that should bring us into some of what, that cultural perception. What, what is, Go what ahead, is, Anna. I was just gonna say a word about the cultural consciousness. I hadn't seen this movie. I think we watched it the summer that I was ten. It was actually mm. really cool. We did like outdoor movies. We watched all at that time six of them. We did four, five, six, one, two, three, which is the order that they should be watched in. Mm. Um. And we watched them outside. Anyway, that was a super awesome experience. But before I had seen them, my other friends at church had seen them. We'd always play Star Wars. And I knew there was a character called Princess Leia. And so I was always Princess Leia. And I thought her name was Princess Slaya, and I didn't like. I like everything was said so fast. Like I don't think any of them ever realized that I didn't even know uh, the correct name for this character. But I was like, I'm so Princess Slaya. Anyway, Slayer. then I watched it. And I was like, oh. Slayer of Princesses. <laughs> so yep. good. Uh, is that like Leia's like rap name or something? Yeah. Like Princess Slaya. Like like a like a nineties or like even eighties like rap name. <laughs> I uh, sure yeah that Carrie hurts. Fisher had a had a great they did like a teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle style like road yeah. tour yeah. of the Star Wars characters uh doing musical acts it was it's pretty great. good yeah yeah there was definitely we'll like say- two tribes at my school like some people would like shout out the pokey rap all the way through and other people <laughs> would do the nice. the Princess Leia rap and that was like those were like the two raps everybody knew Okay, I was just going to say another note about the cultural moment, which is, I guess, some things that are separate from the original film, but are just part of the fan base. You mentioned the Pokey rap and the Princess Leia rap, but, like, the all of the bad lip-reading songs, mm-hmm. like, yeah. that was my high school experience. Oh, That's yeah. kind of a tangent, but I was also going to say, like, hairstyles and styles of sci-fi costuming and set design Mm -hmm. have definitely stuck because of this film like people talk about space buns Mm. that's only because Mm -hmm. of princess leia that's the only reason that that hairstyle is called space buns Mm -hmm. um and the super sleek ships i guess i'm i'm thinking about a lot of the more visceral things visceral like meaning you can see and touch them even though it's a movie you can't touch them but i guess like like the textures story aside like (laughs) The feeling of this movie, besides the story, uh, has stayed, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a rambling thought about the set design no, that I, you see everywhere else. For sure. I think that I think that actually leads us into kind of two things. Uh, because, yeah, I think we... The cultural perception and also the perception of, of the technical aspects or story or whatever, they all, they all kind of weave together because... There is no other film on this list. I mean, sure, this is the probably the most watched film on this list, 
by mm-hmm. ge- the general public, but mm-hmm. this is also probably the most rewatched film on this list as well, probably by everybody here. And there's definitely that aspect to which a lot of those textures and things that made the movie as interesting and exciting as it was could absolutely have faded if this is something that you grew up with and rewatched or just saw every two seconds and it was just always part of your life and and whatever until i don't know until you got into to quote unquote real movies and different kinds of world building and all of a sudden it like it it just it just it becomes the standard but but what i think is interesting is that a lot of the things that we can talk about it inspiring and it sort of setting up a lot of this like blockbuster whatever a, a lot of those films don't have the kind of filmmaking language or or technical design or i think even even world building that this has from the get-go like Mm -hmm. what is i think continually fascinating and interesting about star wars and obviously that can fade or just not work for somebody and or whatever um but i think what it what it has actually kept it at at the, the point that it is at um is is a lot of that really deep world building that was dramatically different, especially even from other sci-fi movies at the time. Um, we, we haven't watched a lot. Like we, we watched 2001, which there's, there's some influence there, but like, it's, it's not, co- it's not, it's not comparable exactly as a, as a sci-fi oh, yeah. film in that way. This is much more in the category of like science fantasy. Yeah. yeah. It, a very explicit magic. It's a like, space opera, it's but yeah. it, it, it does, it did change how, science fiction movies were made mm-hmm. after this yeah um, they all became samurai movies apparently <laughs> they all uh <laughs> well yeah um <laughs> oh no a lot of the ways that that models used to be done the way that ships used to be designed a lot of just those those aspects of of design in movies used to try to go for mer- very like sleek futuristic designs and what set star wars apart is is in that you know that first little bit a long time ago in a galaxy far far away the point of the universe is it looks very lived in very used very mm-hmm. textured and dirty and yeah. grimy and that is not something that people had seen before and then when you add into it and we can we can talk influences whatever you add into a, a lot of the the cinematic language of you know screen wipes and, wipes and a lot oh of wipes for days and a lot of uh kurosawa influence in the filmmaking you add in a lot of those influences of things that george lucas was very obsessed with when he was studying film um and what you get is is an amalgamation of a lot of things previously that that to people felt extremely fresh and i and i think as far as the depth of of those textures and the world building is not something that we see matched in other blockbuster movies. Like if we look at big franchises, we look at your Marvels. Uh, I don't know your Harry Potter's even like there's some stuff to Harry Potter, but a lot of it's set in, in sort of real world settings. And I don't particularly care. Yeah. It's, it's an altered modern world instead mm-hmm. of a completely unique world, which we don't, yeah get all that many of in movies generally like most of them are like oh yeah so we have the modern world and then oh wow this person gets transported into like this strange the hidden ug- modern world the hidden modern world right which is like sort of an interesting gimmick uh until you see like 50 movies that have the same gimmick mm-hmm. or read 50 of the same books or comic books or anything and you're like it's just okay, I, I guess this particular world is kind of fun and I'm having a fun time, but it really stopped standing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only things that I can think of that have like those big expanse of completely unique worlds are like in books. Like, Yeah, exactly. And, and that's actually something for me, like I, I'm not like obsessed with world building. Like I definitely know people who like are into reading and fantasy and whatever, just specifically for world building. I just, I like the feeling of a, of a world that feels whole and real in a book that I mm-hmm. read. And it's generally frustrating for me that that is one thing about a, a lot of books that I feel like is rarely actually fully done in movies. I even, I even would say we'll get into it with the Lord of the Rings, 
the Lord of the Rings absolutely works from a cinematic perspective and the world feels like mm. a world to an extent, but there's not the same sense of like, I can sort of create my own story in that world and live there in the same way mm. that I mm. feel like Star Wars does for a lot of people. Like as, as far mm. as any of your, maybe your, there's probably some movie out there, but as far as your big like tentpole franchises that have developed, this is the only one that like the reason why people like Star Wars that really like Star Wars is not the story that happens in Star Wars so much as it is there are so many stories that can happen and that do happen in Star Wars. It's just a full, fully textured place that the imagination can rest in. But Very what about the wonderful world of Pandora at Disney's <laughs> You're so right. Wild Planet or Every, whatever? Yeah, it, it, it has peak. it has a world just like Star Wars has a world now. Avatar is Every so Every world well exists within the Disney Corporation. Uh, I think part of that that you're getting onto about how people can find themselves in the story so well is that it's explicitly stated it's set in the past, and I think that's one thing. I mean. Obviously, nobody's like, we gotta go find Endor. We gotta meet the Ewoks. They're there. (laughs) But I think that opens up my imagination a lot more instead of being like, ah, but it's in the future. Like, Mm -hmm. in 2049, whatever. Like, it's it's almost the the promise of the past and a history that's been forgotten. And so it's like, no, like, I don't know. There's a little bit more space for my imagination to be Mm -hmm. like, this could have been real. This happened so long ago. And so it's easier for me to get in it instead of being like, in the future, pick a number. And then, Hmm. like, I feel like Star Wars would not have aged as well if he had arbitrarily picked a date like 2019, for example. Mm -hmm. And then we get to 2019 and... We don't have 3D Jaws that jumps out at you when you're walking (laughs) past the theater. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that probably is a major reason why it stayed so well is because it's just it's firmly placed Mm -hmm. in the past where Mm -hmm. it could still possibly happen and i actually think that that works really well with the fact that he went with the monomyth like i think the fact that it's placed in the past lets you have this texture of it being a legend Mm -hmm. um and while that that might be lost a little bit more in future entries um as it just develops its Mm -hmm. own franchise-ness um Mm -hmm. for for the most part it it is presenting itself like it is some sort of proto-legend that uh, maybe what we have now is is based off of a little bit um it's also nice because it lets you know that everyone in this movie is already dead so yeah you know (laughs) so you don't yeah you don't have stakes i mean that's the one bad thing it (laughs) it removes all stakes you're like oh yeah by this point like luke is already dead like he died like millennia ago or whatever However long, uh, long, long time Side note was, about like, how I whiny Luke is. I always forget. And I remember joking about that when we watched these movies the first time. And I was like, oh, haha, Luke is so whiny. And now I'm watching him like, kid, how old are you? 18? Why are you still whining? Well, he's going to the station to pick up some power converters. converters. Or like, the moment that got me is when Leia's talking to Han in the cockpit of the millennium falcon and and she's like she turns to luke and she's like your friend doesn't care about anything and he like leans out the door and is like well i do yeah <laughs> something like that and i'm like it's... kid it's so grow good. up yeah yeah i uh, really do like the arc that luke has throughout the the full franchise i, I think it's a little bit like undervalued in some ways because and maybe we'll get into it with empire but but just the 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 way that he is the same person in like all the way down to the last jedi when yoda's like why are you like still whining yeah he's like the sacred jedi text <laughs> and yeah. and yoda's just like bruh they're boring as hell just like get over it <laughs> he's he's just like overly earnest and emotional and doesn't really have any kind of like outlet or catharsis i think i uh, yeah i i it's I kind of endearing and didn't remember I know that it makes people annoyed luke but. being such a like kind of 
wet blanket of a character. Like he's the the hero of the Star Wars movies, but also, uh, he definitely has like a big arc between the first movie and the last movie. Like you aren't like mm-hmm. with a bunch of fantasy movies. Ooh, this person is a big strong dude, or a, a smart cunning lady. Because those are the two. <laughs> Those are the types, those I guess. Are the two. And then, uh, yes. The two genders. <laughs> Maybe they have the one uh, flaw that they have to overcome, but it's not like they're kind of shit at the beginning and are kind of okay at the end. Mm-hmm. At least George Lucas went there. <laughs> yeah, like I, I never feel like, oh, it'll be fine because like Luke's going to like crack some skulls he's gonna get there it's not that feeling and i honestly think that that's why the people that were frustrated at the last jedi were is because you never fully see luke reach that potential that you think he's gonna have of just cracking some skulls and being a full mature like typical hero badass he just doesn't ever do that really that one thing until they they bring (laughs) him in in, spoilers in in that that the 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 mando show for a second Uh, and spoilers yeah Mm, not really but yeah i haven't seen it yet i'm sorry I thought well, I that's thought fine. I knew well, Aiden was. We will not give any it, context around that spoiler, so that you will remain mostly unspoiled. It's true. It doesn't. It doesn't really. Mm. It doesn't really affect the story. But I don't set think. dressing. Yeah. Popular IP. People it's... people want to see Luke be badass. Is my point. Yes, and, and it doesn't. Really and we happen. never get it. And you pretty much don't ever get it in a significant way yeah. like yeah. the the characters that end up being really badass in star wars he has are a, other characters he has a strong spirit he he does he he really cares I that's true I, I think his most interesting characteristic is the fact that he is so garbage that at any point <laughs> you can see him failing like there's tension mm-hmm. there when you allow your characters to be deliberately underprepared for whatever they're facing. When we talk about Empire next week for some reason, because we needed to do <laughs> two of them. Yeah. Uh, it it you know he when he fights the 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 dude the Darth dude it you're like ah he he might he might die he might die. He might he just casually have his hand lobbed off. Dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he he's it's he's just a character that's that's sort of hanging by a thread, mm-hmm. and the only thing that keeps that from that thread from from being severed is is the fact that he is sort of the main character of the story. <laughs> um, and that's I know people that like don't really love that, but it's also something that talking to a lot of people who are really into star wars is something they like they like to see some kinds of high stakes adventures or 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 dramatic things happen lots of stuff go on but have that sort of like feeling of escapism and safety and knowing that your like main cast of characters for the most part is going to get out of it Mm -hmm. um for some people that's the escapism they need and i think that's interesting and if you don't want that escapism um, then you can you can read the New High Republic novels, which Ooh. hurt a lot. <laughs> Going to do it, and they're very dark. Read it eventually, and <laughs> make yeah. me sad. There's different versions uh, of things. Cool. It's hard. Well, uh, okay. I think some people wanted to talk about models or something. That's yeah, not a model. They're cool. Come on, Anna. What, what's your thoughts? Models. You, you had thoughts about like the technical effects and stuff. You want to oh, talk about? Oh, the te- I was like. Um, yes. Oh, I had a couple rambling thoughts and I didn't have time to do a lot of research that I wanted to do on how they did the effects because I think it's really interesting. Although I think um, I know someone who did. Ooh. No, I just think it's really cool. Um, I lost my train of thought. The effects are super cool. Oh, I was going to just mention i always think of this story when i watch this movie which is when my grandparents went to go see it for the first time and so 
my mom remembers that she was four. They had a babysitter date night. Grandparent were her parents go out, watch Star Wars, A New Hope, loved it so much that they called the babysitter and said, hey, can you stay for another two hours? We're going to watch it again right now. (laughs) Buy a ticket, go in, watch it again right then. And so I always just really like that story because my granddad really does love sci-fi and Star Wars and stuff. And so that's one thing that we would do is like go to the movies and watch a movie or we'd watch Star Wars. So anyway, I'm always just like, wow, like I have it's kind of like everyone knows uh, where they were when they heard about the Twin Towers. That's kind of a really dark um, comparison. It's kind (laughs) of like. Okay, so first my brain wanted to talk about a Far Side cartoon where it's like all the forest animals knew where they were when they heard that Bambi's mom got shot. And I was like, I can't reference Far Side in this podcast. It has to be like an actual cultural moment, not just Far Side. So then I mentioned the Twin Towers. Far Side anyway. is a cultural moment. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not the Yikes. Twin Towers. Um. Well, s- strangely enough, though, it... It is that big of a cultural moment. And that's something yeah, that people like, will talk about is the difference between some of the big cultural moments that people had in that generation and the big cultural moments that we have now. Like we've got 9-11 and we've got COVID and the, the, those are the things that we remember. And, you know, older generations remember Star Wars and the moon landing and things that were like, wow, yeah. things are possible. Yeah. Um, but like that, but that really like, I've heard that kind of story like in in the same way that you know the story of Star Wars is something that you've heard a million times in slightly different ways. I've heard that same story about people watching Star Wars a million times in slightly different ways. It just mm-hmm. did have that distinctive a cultural impact that this was a movie that if you really go back to what George Lucas was originally intending and and what the people working on the movie thought of it at the time, um Mark Hamill especially were just like, "Oh yeah, we're making a kids movie." with the money that we have and hopefully it'll, it'll be fine. We think that maybe it'll end up being a a pretty good kids movie. Um, But they expected it to flop. They aggressively expected this movie to flop. There was not any confidence in this movie um, from, from executives, especially. And then, and then it, and then it comes out and then it's the biggest thing that has ever existed ever. It makes sense that this one especially was designed for kids. Cause I was kind of, I hadn't seen it in many years and I was a little bit disappointed in the plot, like mm-hmm. story arc aside, you know, hero's journey. But I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of like nothing, like something's happened, but like, yeah, I, I'm not feeling it a ton. Like it's not as gripping as other stories that I've had. Yeah, no, I would agree. As a kid's movie telling the most told story of all time, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's kind of a, a thing is because of how impactful this movie is and with the way that we've grown up with it, there's definitely a, a, a higher bar expected of Star Wars of something that it was not explicitly intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I love that, that quote that Patrick Willems has when he talks about <laughs> people being mad at Star Wars is he just holds up a sign that says, like, remember... This is a movie about space wizards intended for kids. <laughs> and, and it's it, it really is true like that was that was the explicit purpose of this movie. George Lucas did other you know a somewhat more critically accepted indie movies in the past. He he tried to go a little bit more in an art house direction to an extent with Well, that was what he's really wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Like he really wanted to become like a weird experimental art house director and he made uh thx uh, thx 1138 mm-hmm. i think is what it's yeah. called um which is like a weird kind of cerebral like dystopian sci-fi movie that's kind of unnerving and ooh I still need to watch that stuff and the next one we're about to and mention. uh also american graffiti which was like uh like kids like a YA comedy sort of vibe, Uh which uh, I still have a friend's copy of that he loaned (laughs) me back in like middle school uh, and never, he never got that back and I never watched it. So uh, the movies, 
is the movie. <laughs> yeah, but the, but then he, you know, he got interested in this idea and makes it, and then and then that's it, like for his life. It's, I it, guess that's, I'll make five more. It's it's kind of over at that point because he's had the most success success that any well that any indie director especially had ever had mm. and kind of the most success anyone has had um in, in a strange way george lucas is more responsible for i mean he obviously he's extremely responsible for the development of of american cinema and the way that it went in the new hollywood movement by the fact that he defined the blockbuster essentially mm. Um, but more than that, he got so much more studio influence for this movie than the most critically acclaimed directors that we've already discussed got for their things. Mm-hmm. You talk, you talk about Francis Ford Coppola, or you talk about even like Orson Welles back in the day, they make these movies that everybody's like, oh, this is a masterpiece. This is great. It's a big cultural moment. We don't care what you think mm-hmm. with George Lucas. It was such a different kind of success that he had such free reign. I mean, he, he, he was able to get Fox to fund actually Kurosawa's oh, yeah. like uh, massive 1980 film Kagamusha. And Francis Ford Coppola had been trying to launch career, careers. He actually tried to relaunch Orson Welles' career as well mm. and tried to go for Kurosawa. And he, despite the fact that people are like, yeah, I mean, we know the films that you've done. They're great. You know, uh, couldn't. He he just didn't have the influence. George Lucas signs on to that project. The studio's putting all of the money on it. He just it, it's in a weird. He wanted to be this weird out there indie director, and then he became just the most influential person for a long time. And I think he would probably say to an extent that that just sort of destroyed his career because he didn't end up doing a lot of those more experimental things that he wanted to do. He ended up, you know making all of the Star Wars movies and making Indiana Jones and having people get mad at him over things that happened to space wizards for kids and the fact that some of his movies are cheesy (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. he ends up now being more known for, as you're talking about technical effects and the way that, that his movies got um, practical effects to be, this solid in movies like this mm. and then later was like cool now let's do that with cg and then did that yeah um I, and that's what he's gonna I watched be known the, for, like. the version on disney plus that had the the cgi in it oh, and mm-hmm. uh it's kind of bad it is I mean, like, yeah, obviously it bad. is mm-hmm. but like i don't know i i had never been at a place right no i guess the first time i watched it maybe i didn't notice mm. They're just kind of like, oh, it's there. Now I'm like, you know, kind of like when you watch a movie from the 50s and they like put the photograph in the window and you're like, oh, that's just a picture. It's not actually a scene. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's that level of dissonance. And I think it's kind of funny that it's almost like we've come full circle, but now it's computer animated and not like a cardboard picture. Yeah. So so the way that I guess we can talk about that a little bit when we're talking about technical effects. The way that this movie originally was and the way that that Aiden and I watched it, uh the theatrical cut has I mean there there wasn't CG. It wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. It, it it was it was practical effects. It was a lot of models that were really well lit. There's a decent amount of stop motion, compositing, there's a lot mm-hmm. of different things and it looks very distinct and and stylistic but also i think it 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 still holds up pretty well like obviously you can tell it's really charming it's really mm -hmm. it's really cute you see things and you're like oh they're using like blue screens or something Mm -hmm. and like superimposing stuff and it's all a bit janky and it's fun and i think that's (laughs) so much more fun than like oh it looks like slightly better when the re-releases came out but it's also like instead of being dated to the late 1970s it's dated to like the 1990s mm-hmm. which like haven't aged as well yeah, yeah. you know yeah. a lot of stuff like that where like the lower definition stuff if you can refer to it that way i guess does age better because it had to be more just weird and stylized kind mm-hmm. of than the stuff that's kind of in the middle where it was maybe more uncanny they hadn't quite yeah. They're figuring it out it's just more, so but still weren't quite there. 
Yeah. And then you look at that as that ages and you're like, yeah, that's worse. And that, that remains kind of a controversial thing about this movie is that if you want to go watch the theatrical cut of this movie, you cannot see it. Mm-hmm. Um, when George Lucas went back, George in, won't let you. In '97, he was like, "Okay, cool. Let's make let's make the the new version of this movie." He kind of added some scenes. He changed some scenes in weird ways, and he Made used a lot of CG Han that didn't second, work. I guess. For some reason, yeah, the yeah. like the the Han Solo scene. And, and I honestly think that it all changes the vibe of the the movie. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really, I wouldn't say that I actually enjoy the special edition version of Star Wars that much. <laughs> like, I know a lot of the changes aren't massive, but it it has a significant effect on the way the movie feels uh, for me. He he did go back and make the effects look better than they did in '97. I think in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, it, yeah, as we talk about, we, as we have, it's, it's still weird. Um, but you, you can find versions of the theatrical cut, um, up-res versions, fan cuts that try to recreate it. And in my opinion, that's the way to watch this movie for sure. Um, it's a very different thing. And it's so satisfying to see some of those effects that have been painted over for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because they're be- because they're better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They they have a lot more charm to them. Fun, you know, yeah. a lot of the style of this and everything is based off of like old serialized fiction and mm-hmm. old like mm-hmm. cheapo like space movies and yeah. uh stuff like that and westerns and like you got that grimy kind of like <laughs> cowboy bar energy mm-hmm. and it it just is it's just charming and I just let it be so many charming. good puppets mm-hmm. the creature shops and annoying i don't know if if it, in this movie they were technically working with with jim henson's uh creature shop but they definitely did in in the subsequent films oh with such such delightful charming puppets delightful results oh, as we'll get into puppets um in especially in the, in the next episode ewoks it's not, Ewoks. Ewoks. not Ewoks. Yeah, not Ewoks. We aren't those covering people, those, that movie. We aren't I covering know. all three of them. I we, know. I, I, those I could people. squeeze a second one out of out of you guys, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't fit three. In. Already pushing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're nice we're here on a technic- <laughs> we're on a we're on a technicality in the fact that they're both not directed by the same person. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't there a rule about that? Yeah, they feel distinctly different as films in the way that they're directed. They are. They, They're absolutely they all, directed they differently. Are, you just don't want to give the films credit because you don't like them. Uh, they also, um, uh, spoilers, I didn't like Empire very much either. Oh, tragic. Uh, a mere three and a half stars. we can agree that it's significantly better. Uh, I actually... You well, said so, that you were okay. having a better time with it uh, until the end and then you decided you didn't mm, want to. Okay, so uh, I think that, just putting it up front, I think as a movie on like if we're curating a list of the 100 essential movies, I think the first Star Wars movie definitely has a place on there. It feels very different as a movie from everything that was coming before it in, like, the 1970s as, like, popular good movies and everything. feels very different, feels very distinct. It has a lot of different elements that would very much change the future. The Empire Strikes Back is also on a technical level, a more interesting movie. It does more things with the story. It's a bit more engaging in a lot of ways. Uh, It also is significantly less interesting as a cultural artifact to me Mm -hmm. because it isn't, it, even though it is very different from star Wars, it is also more star Wars. It's just more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And for all of the cool things they do with the lighting and, uh, the sheer enormity and scope of the wipe uh, and the variety of which they have created, uh, I, I still don't think it's... It's, you know, it's still just Star Wars, which is not something that you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I think my perception when I added both to the list is that this film was made as a kind of one-off monomyth indie project that ended up becoming a big thing and empire is very distinctly where that blockbuster that we see now is 
is sort of perfected and solidified and, and placed in its sort of platonic form that people pull from. Um, and, and so I do think that they function differently as films in that sense. I think that you can tell what was intended with Star Wars versus what was intended with Empire. And they, to me, feel drastically different. But Yes, but also uh, is Star Wars. So, yes, I know. Uh, is there anything else that anyone wants to say about the cultural legacy of this movie? Or can we burn it all down, please? You can never escape it. The cultural legacy will never, ever go Aiden away. Aiden violence today, I, I see. Just a bunch of people like this movie you suck. That's yeah. true of anything. Yeah. <laughs> bunch of people like it this kinda movie did. Cool. Like okay, so like nerd culture in the twenty tens, like one of the most annoying things. Uh that started off as like really cool and you're like, Oh yeah, nerds are like really into sci fi stuff and they're into Star Wars and they go to Star Wars conventions and it's so cute and they like have cosplays and they have such a fun time and now internet culture has made like I'm a nerd, I have strong opinions on things, I shout at people on the internet. Yeah. I do think the cultural like the legacy of this movie hasn't gone away, but I think the the culture of its fan base has changed a little bit mm-hmm. and the uh the demographics of its fan base have changed a little mm-hmm. bit. I think it did used to be more like I am really into science and I enjoy science fiction already and I like space travel and I'm kind of like dorky in that way and less of a like I aggressively know everything there is to know about this franchise mm-hmm. and I will tell you if you are wrong and I've memorized everything <laughs> oh and like goodness. I have watching all the Lego. this movie with Squidgem every scene would be like oh and that background character I, I had is to a stop myself at some point because and... I realized I was being that person who <laughs> watches Lord of the Rings and is like oh he actually broke his foot when he took the helmet <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I, because, uh, because every little aspect of Star Wars is is named and numbered mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. It, you like we'll always call out the the like alien species names with like everything that we do with star wars so and i'm always like the what i love i well I'm yeah like, oh, sometimes yeah, oh, it's just like i don't know but that's the interesting thing about it though is like i never like tried to learn or memorize things yeah. it just happened you've because been the most immersed in i i will i will own up to that when i was 11 was the first time i read a star wars book um, and at this point I, I have a lot of them and I've read probably 50 or 60 of them at this point. Mm-hmm. And just that process of, of reading those books, you're like, what is, I need to know what that thing looks like in my head. And you're like, oh, actually I've seen that. That's in a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you do get to this point where you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, I know everything. And I know like three examples of each of these creatures and things that, that they thing, did and yeah. whatever. Although I think at this point as a kid. Part of the reason why Star Wars is the most boring thing in the universe to me <laughs> is that everything has a an in, it has lore in the like. Okay, we were watching the scene where uh, the, the the main dude Luke and his uncle are picking out droids, and they pick out this red droid, and they pick out C three PO, and then the red droid explodes or something, uh, and it just malfunctions, and, and then. And it's my favorite story. I love yeah. this so uh, much. It's, it's so good. No, okay. So the the this comic. There, yeah, there was this like old uh, c- comic that isn't canon, but but basically, yeah, the the droid that like explodes and smokes was supposed to be the only droid that had the force, and so it it knew that the Death Star plans needed. To- <laughs> so it just so it's a malfunction. It just like explodes itself, so that it'll pick our the lovely thing instead. about the fact that George Lucas organized Lucasfilm Publishing to allow so many people to tell stories collaboratively all together is that you get some examples of just the worst ideas ever. <laughs> I was wondering, like, was that ever intended to be canon, or no, was that like just complete parody? I, I like, think it was just. I don't know if anybody like, was taking I just that remember seriously. It was in just like some collection of weird just side yeah. things. And I, I can't remember if any of them were as silly as that. But I just remember reading no. those. I think I probably read everything Most in that collection. And that's that the only one the I remember. The silliest and stupidest it's thing that so Star Wars funny. ever did. <laughs> but the, you also happen to get a lot of people sort of launching their careers mm. as really solid authors off of writing Star Wars novels. And mm-hmm. that happens 
much later in in probably the mid 90s um and then you start getting legitimately quite good uh novels exploring mm-hmm. completely different themes and got lots of different doing media lots of like different you got things. the books you got quite a few good video games out of the franchise mm-hmm. yes lego yeah, star wars on the playstation yeah. was my childhood. that was where it was at yeah, yeah. uh lucas arts uh as a studio as a gaming studio mm-hmm. ended up also being really significant and mm-hmm. not just for star wars stuff. not just for star wars did no. a lot of other things uh, Lucky yeah lots of lots of good adventure Shit. games and pioneered a lot of storytelling in video mm-hmm. games it just that that's the thing is is the cultural legacy of this movie is not even just kind of star wars it's just weird that it was an indie movie that turned into something that spawned everything else something Huge. that developed so many different mediums mm-hmm. um which is which is cool and in a different way kind of tragic because it ended up becoming extremely corporatized Odin which, which is Disney. not something that Lucas all really pray to in. the mouse-eared right. god yeah uh george lucas famously called disney after this sale <laughs> quote-unquote the white slavery <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. um yeah like yeah. he was always very sparing with visual media like mm-hmm. you know he did th- the three movies which took a while and then took a big break and made a few more and then we got like the micro series, the Clone Wars thing, mm-hmm. and then we got another big Clone Wars series, and then that was just kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like until it wasn't, like George Lucas's skill is not really directing and not really writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a good quote of Harrison Ford on the set of of this movie, going like, "Hey George." You can write this shit, but you can't say it. <laughs> nice. there's, there's definitely some mouthful segments of this movie that are ridiculous. Um, and he's not a good actor director either. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, clearly his, his skills are in some of that world building and technology pioneering and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that if anything belongs on this list, this one does um, just to kind of, touch on that point there are some films on this list and obviously this is the first blockbuster we've covered that so it's kind of like well of course it changed the face of everything that we think about but in that sense i'm like yeah it should and you can see a lot of things that inspire it and i know that there are other movies on this list like when we were talking about cleo from five to seven and there are some shots that you guys were like oh my gosh i've seen that before and like agnes Varda is so instrumental and she was but you have to dig a lot deeper to find the people that she influenced and the scenes that she influenced Mm -hmm. in other shots. But this is just like, ah, yes, that, I don't know. Exactly. Um, Yeah. If anything belongs on this list, this movie does, even if Aiden doesn't like it. Right. Like, I think that's, that's the thing about this movie is it, it doesn't need to be anybody's cup of tea or anybody's favorite thing for it to still be something that, your uh is very significant glass of blue milk classic oh, that's that's the okay. most significant okay. piece of... i've watched the bad lip reading videos more times than i've seen the movie itself yeah. and so the whole time mm. i'm watching the movie i'm like he had uh, to change the floors oh, the floors watch <laughs> yeah. the watch the empire one that uh yoda seagull yeah. song has oh my forever gosh. ruined dagobah that's that's my like Stuck that's in actually, my head. It, it's taken me a long time to be able to actually enjoy that movie outside of hearing those songs <laughs> Um, but I, I I enjoy it. We have culturally killed our gods and consumed it. It, it, it like this movie. I I wonder how much future generations are actually ever going to be able to like enjoy or appreciate this movie. One because they can't watch it. Yeah. Um, and two because they will see infinite memes and videos and songs and everything about it and they'll see very like crappy movies or or something else that is either ripping off of it or is a star wars movie that somehow manages to feel more like a ripoff than a star wars movie and 
they're going to see all of that before they see any of this. So it, it, in a weird way, Star Wars has eaten itself a lot. And that, that has yeah. happened, especially with the sequels and whatever we could talk about. It's not that important. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it, it got popular again for a while. It was very uncool when I was a kid to like Star Wars. It was something I was embarrassed about talking about. And then the new Star Wars movies came. And then it was like real cool and everybody was into Star Wars. And then people didn't like things that happened in the movies and by the end of this most recent one people don't like star wars again and now the people that talk about star wars are weird little queer people like me who just have a good time in the universe and appreciate just the things would this be a good time to say that i had a padawan braid for a year and a half wow on purpose yeah noise that's that's i didn't cut it either noise that's pretty incredible did you? Did so you? You must have gr- like graduated past that at that point. Yeah, I did. Well, I had it like the summer before we moved to Vietnam, and then I had it all through Vietnam, hmm. and then when we moved back and I started high school, I, I ceremoniously unbraided it. <laughs> Dang. That's, but that's, you didn't cut it off with a, a large laser sword. To, you're supposed to cut it off. I, you're supposed I to cut it off have, with a laser sword. I could have done that, yeah. and yet, I don't have a bald spot behind my ear tragic okay well okay. i'm tired i'm going to fall asleep yes. on the podcast from how boring the star wars is are we done aiden must hate star wars it is part of his dna dream just like enjoying his energy it, i guess is nice sort of part of it. i tried not to like it very much i just i can't it's just so good um cool can i just cool. make a side note and say is it an episode of a podcast if i don't crack my ankle six times because i'm really <laughs> sorry but I just have cracky ankles. Oh, we, we, it's all good. You know, we all have cracky joints. We <laughs> are very good. old young people. Aiden's been like assaulting this microphone all episode. <laughs> so it's, it's that's what editing's it's for. Fine. Yeah, that, I, that's what we have Hunter for. I yeah, it's true. Uh, okay. Well, yeah that that's probably good enough from us then. <laughs> um, we'll thank you. We'll finish this conversation next week. Indeed. Uh, at, at much protest from at least a quarter of the podcast, we will continue to discuss this. Um, <laughs> you can find us at, at movieoverloadpod.com, hopefully, if, if that domain is still up. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. We don't use it. You can find us on Instagram. We don't use it. You can email us. So we can check it. Sorry. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. We don't post there. There are so many ways that you can try to get even, in contact with us and maybe get a response. Probably not. Um, I would respond if something yeah, happened. Yeah. If, if somebody said something, yeah. we'd find it. You know, I can commit yeah. to that. We will find it if you decide to reach out to us. Yeah. Just if, go outside right now, wherever you are, and scream your feedback into the sky. We yeah. will find somewhere. Oh, yeah. You can also leave us reviews. We don't talk about that very often. But if you leave us a review on iTunes, that actually helps us get discovered. Yeah. Please give us five stars, especially if you hate us. Give us five stars. <laughs> and then in so the description. So that more people will find our podcast yes. and, and can also hate it. it. In the description, write every mean thing. No matter how mean, we will read it aloud. <laughs> uh, yeah, we probably will. We're bored enough. <laughs> I have heard that things with more reviews is is a better uh, indicator of it is of quality. It's than, true than the quality of the reviews. Yeah, but yeah. I, I so still, just do it. It's more just for me. I just I just want to see the stars because it makes me yeah. feel something. Especially just if I'm anything. getting lambasted cool. because it means that you you cared enough to make us yeah. want to see it right. to give it a five. So, it's almost like, like there's a war more. in the stars. Like, how many stars you want? <laughs> what, was yeah, that, what was that meme? Oh, it was like a edited clip from Revenge of the Sith, isn't it? And so it's like, the war. <laughs> the Star War. <laughs> I don't know what's I, I'm so thankful that despite all of George Lucas's bad writing, somehow that never made it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's not one of those. He things. probably did write that line and Carrie Fisher cut it out because she script doctored a lot of the prequel movies. Good so. for her. What, what is? What are the odds that in recently released, I guess, a blockbuster film, The Tomorrow War, a character says The Tomorrow War in the movie? Uh, Ooh, uh, I have not seen it. 73%. Probably. It's got to be there. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to find out on purpose Hooray! because I don't want to watch it. 
Okay, guys. Thank you all for listening. And end. as we say at the end of this particular episode of the podcast. I was having trouble because picking any of them feels silly because there's so many quotes that are just so ubiquitous about this movie, but I thought the one that would feel sort of thematically appropriate because movies was when when he when he go we seem to be made to suffer. <laughs> it's our lot in life. <laughs> and suffering is apparently watching two Star Wars movies in a row. For eight. But not for me. <laughs> Except I might watch them back to back, which might be awkward. True. Spoiler. Past spoiler. I didn't watch the movie for this purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you spoiled the past. <laughs> and with that twist, we end the podcast. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>